you wanna know what I learned at school today But don't open your mouth, don't open your mind Don't open your heart to it, cause that world is gonna shine Look out for yourself, just don't be Hey, all right, this is Tim Crisp, and you're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast with Brendan Kelly. Brendan, what's going on, Bubba? How are you? I am terrific. Um, I am now fully vaccinated, and um, I am excited to get out there and start fucking random strangers in uh, the back of uh, bars named after bands that I'm in, like the Falcon. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of nice ladies back there, right? <laughs> I would love to see the uh, the the scene at the Wandering Birds Inn. Right, you know, I uh, know that there's, this is a joke because the Falcon is a chain of <laughs> wildly gay bars in California. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've got shit like where it's like. Uh, you know the picture of like uh, like no smoking or whatever, and it's you know got like the Ghostbuster sign around it. And there's like a person uh-huh. holding up a cigarette. It's like that, but with like "Don't suck this guy's dick at the urinal" kind of <laughs> signs like, like that. Uh, it, it's really quite awesome. I mean, it's one of the coolest places I've ever been, the Falcon. Um, but the back room, I found out in uh, quick. Order. You go in. You're part of the back room, or you're not allowed in the back room. And uh, the back room is doing certain things that, while I think are awesome, not totally for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're fully vaccinated. I'm half vaccinated. And I would like to thank everybody out there. Uh, for being so patient because I could not make it to our recording time last week after my vaccination. I don't want to put anything out there that feels uh, negative in the direction of getting vaccinated. I was very happy to be vaccinated, getting a little bit sick, totally worth it. But yeah, sorry we missed you all last week, but I was feeling real rotten. Well, you know what? Better than being dead. Uh, <laughs> fucking, better than like a one of those Much like better. fucking alien, uh, you know, penis insertions down your throat with like a clasp over your face, you know, which is what I don't know if you guys know what those respirators are like, but that's what they're like. It's like being an alien um, or aliens, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, get a little sick for a day. Fuck it. Doesn't being sick for one day kind of also feel a little bit good? Like, like just like to have the chills and be like, I can't do anything. And then just like really to give up for just like the day and, and like lay in bed and, you know, have somebody bring you soup or some shit like that. And then be like, I can't even eat it. And then, <laughs> you know, like you watch like the Royal Tenenbaums again. <laughs> it's just like I don't know man it's like I told my boss this I was like there's something about being sick that is kind of enjoyable if it's not serious and uh yeah he was like you're a fucking maniac um I don't 
I don't know what you're talking about, but I disagree completely. And then the, that afternoon, I got sick and had to go home. And I was like, uh, nope, I was wrong. This sucks. I hate it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. There's a fine line for sure. I get I get you. The like uh, kind of happy resignation that you get with the, uh, <laughs> I don't have to do anything tomorrow anymore. That feeling's nice, but um, and and we're here. We're gonna finish up on these slapstick songs, and we want everybody to make sure you stay tuned till the end of this because we're all through with these songs of yours, my dude. So we've got some housekeeping to attend uh, to for what we're gonna do moving forward with this pod how we're going to keep the conversation going. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end, I believe, is the phrase. I'm sure that's the phrase. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's the, that's the phrase, all right. Um, is that another song that you don't know, Semisonic's Closing Time? Um, I know that song. It's ass. <laughs> if you're out there, Semisonic, I hate your song. I think it sucks. And it's like, glad, good, good on you for like making the song that people play at the end of the night. But know that it's also to get people out of the room because it fucking sucks. <laughs> um. <laughs> We've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich, where Brennan gave me a good uh, sort of anthropological insight into the phenomenon that is Howard Stern. I very much enjoyed that conversation. I actually, I got a, uh, I got a text today from a good friend of mine, a friend of the show, uh, Keith Lipinski, who... Uh, Dr. Keith! Yes, who I have known since way back in the day. And um, he is a longtime Stern fan. And he, and, and, you know, there's nothing people that are big fans of something, particularly something like Howard Stern, love more than to hate on somebody else's opinions about said thing. You know? So uh-huh. he, but he said that he thought that it was a very, good uh tutorial into the evolution of howard stern and why it was uh why he was worth the shit and so i i uh very much appreciated that bit of um it, 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 I, I don't want to the flattery is the word that's coming to my mind but it's not really flattery it's just a, it was a, it was kind sentiment and i'm i'm thankful and so, Keith, I know you're out there listening. Love you, buddy. I remember when we first started doing this pod, and uh, and you said, Tim Brown texted me about the podcast and said it's great. And there was a very, very particular validation to someone like Tim, who is uh, such a hater. big fan and a hater. <laughs> <laughs> um. If it works, if it's working for Tim Brown, that means we're hitting a really solid level, 
And uh, if we're hitting that level for you and you're not subscribed to our Patreon, why don't you go on over there? Patreon.com slash better sandwich. Seven bucks a month. You can see my some... penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my anus. Uh, all the uses that I have. Uh, yeah. You just go over there and check out my penis and my anus. And stick around for me talking about Howard Stern and ad nauseum, and also interviewing people like um, Dave Haas of uh, Dave Haas and the Mermaid, formerly of the Loved Ones, also current member of the Falcon, and um, Brian Fallon uh, of the Gaslight Anthem, and uh, Dan Andriano of the Alkaline Trio, and um, the Emergency the Falcon Room. too. Yeah, he's also a Falcon. Yeah, and so basically, it's all people that were in the Falcon. Um, Greg Barnett, Tom May of the Menzingers. Uh, we, we got we got it all over there. Tom May also of They Come to America, the Delaware episode. Yes. How, how was it? I haven't listened back to it yet. Dude, it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad to hear it because, I mean, like we were all like, um... There's not even facts about this state. That's how boring it is. <laughs> it's crazy what Wayne's World did to the state of Delaware. <laughs> I mean, kind of, but it's more crazy that it took Wayne's World to notice that Delaware had literally nothing going on. <laughs> I think that's a lot more accurate um, because uh, it's not like it's not like Wayne's World made Delaware boring. <laughs> right but it's they did like just drop the every time every time the state of delaware gets mentioned to anybody under the age of 50 it's hi we're in delaware <laughs> yeah. totally but uh i mean lame state i mean if you listen to the episode my uh <laughs> My story is like about a single solitary stop at a fucking gas station bathroom. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. not a lot going on. <laughs> uh, never played a show in fucking Wilmington. Um, can't name another st- city in the state. <laughs> so... Um, it's only 38 miles wide. Chicago is bigger than Delaware. It's crazy. We used to, when we would take uh, any trip down from New Jersey to Baltimore, D.C., uh, North Carolina, you just slept through Delaware. There was no way around it. You yeah. fall asleep for five minutes and then you're out yeah. of Delaware. Goddamn right. Well, yeah, first state. Is unconsciousness. <laughs> um, so we've got a few slapstick tracks to discuss. Uh, before we get into those, though, I kind of wanted to ask you about uh, Mass Giorgini. He's got a pretty interesting uh, place in the annals of punk history. Uh, just recording out in West Lafayette. He did all of the slapstick stuff except for the first demo um do you have any mass stories he's an interesting dude this you know now he's well like so, a cervantes professor 
I have one ma- math story that's really good that I'll tell you off the air. Uh, it's really, really terrific. Uh, but it's not my story to tell. So uh, it's not mine to put on the uh, put out there in the public record at all. Um, but it's fucking shit. Uh, and and uh, when we went out uh, the first time to record Look It, not not the not the second stuff, the, not the EP stuff, but um, we'd always recorded with Phil Bonet, who's a RIP, mm-hmm. um, was in uh, Hoffman Estates, and um, that's where we did all our like early seven inches and demos and stuff like that. And so like we went out to Master Genie, and he had recorded like Screeching Weasel, and. Uh, <laughs> I guess at the time we thought that was a big deal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, I, I still love those Screeching Weasel albums, um, even with all the acrimony that's like. I shouldn't even say between us because I don't even care. I don't know. That guy just started talking shit about me, and it's weird. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and so, like, there's. There's not uh, an issue there. I, I, I love Screeching Weasel. I think they're I think they're great. I like um, Screeching Weasel too. Um, I think My Brain Hurts is a brilliant album. I think Boogada Boogada has some really great stuff on it. And Mass, I don't remember which ones he did, but I would if I had to guess, I would say those two. Um, I think you're right. And. Uh, and so like we went out there and we were like, you know, like I mean traveling to you know, we're kids. Like I mean doing look it, I was 17, you mm-hmm. know, and uh we're going to a, another state to like sleep at the studio and record an album over the course of I don't know, I'm, probably like realistically it was like 3 days, you know, like it it mm-hmm. wasn't. It wasn't like when, like, the Lawrence Arms do a record now, you know, or it's you get, like we just did two weeks, and I was like, oh my god, we only have two weeks. Yeah, like this was like, all right, fellas, in and out, you know. And so we slept in the basement of Sonic Iguana, which is his studio out there, and um, and. It was so weird because, like, we'd be hanging out, and he had an assistant who I believe his name was Jeff. Don't quote me on that, but well, I mean, it's on the record now. Um, and and we hung out with them a lot, uh, like while we weren't in the studio, even though we were in the studio, you know, most of the day and night mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But whenever we weren't, it was. Mass's divorce was like the thing that we talk about, and he. Oh wow! And he was like, you know, so I got a crush on a young lady, and I, um, you know, and I said, uh, I told my wife, I said, yeah, I've got a crush. I don't know what to tell you, and you know, she's upset now. You know, like I don't know what to do, and she's not sleeping in the bedroom, and and we were like. Dude, we are fucking 17. (laughs) 
man. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea what to tell you about it. Like, what do you think I've got? Like, well, I mean, like, I, I get it. Like, uh-huh. it's just like venting, you know? Right. And it's like, we're the people he's working with or whatever. And that's like completely understandable. And when you are in like a crisis that's important to your soul, that's like what you do. You know, like you need mm-hmm. to like kind of talk through it, even if it is in front of a bunch of teenagers uh, to play ska. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for fuck's sakes, it was weird. And uh, I would sleep down in the basement where there was just like no windows whatsoever. Like it was a a proofed room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so like he'd come in and be like, it's noon. What are you doing? And we'd be like, what? Oh, my God. You know, and, like, everybody would be, like, groggy as shit. Like, they were, like, still drunk from the night before. Mm-hmm. We were just we were just kids that had never slept in total blackness before. I think, I think maybe Peter got drunk and pissed on Rob down there one time. Um, <laughs> that... Peter did get drunk and piss on Rob several times, and it's which is weird. Um, but uh, <laughs> but true <laughs> and awesome. I remember the second time Rob was like, "Peter, not again!" One <laughs> 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 was, was at a at a um, St. Cloud, Minnesota, at a radio station. We're staying there, and I, I don't know. I think the other time might have been in the basement of Sonic and Guana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, good times. Last time I saw Mass, I was talking to a friend of mine who's Italian, and she was asking me how my Italian's going. And Mass came up, and I like really, as much as I like the both of them. I was like already trying to get out of the first conversation and then mass came up and I was like, well, this is like another hour right here. Uh, and, and so I, I, but, but like I had a place, I I don't remember what it was, but I had someplace I needed to go, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was like trying to be polite. I'm like, Oh, mass is Italian too. He speaks Italian as well. And then they started talking Italian. I was like, and I I took off. So that's the last time I saw mass. Um, uh, I have, Several other mass stories, but those are the only ones that are fit for air. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, mass, he does a, uh, he does his thing, that Common Rider album. I was on that. I sang back and vocals on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And he was the touring bass player on the Common Rider tour. And um, yeah, the shit's great. It's like he does he does some good work here and there. Um, like uh, all the anti flag stuff that he did. Yeah, sounds great. He, yeah, he he's it's it's he's he's good at what he does. So let's start with what I learned fourth song on the discography. I love the way that this song. Starts out with just that palm mute, and then the way you and Dan, is it you and Danny come yeah. in uh, for, do you want to know what I learned at school today? 
Yeah, this so this is Dan's um Danny Dan, Dan Andreano. He wrote this one. Um everything. Mm-hmm. Came in, and this is like what I was saying the other day about how like me and Dan and Dan were like trying to take over a little bit against like the people that actually knew it was good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and this was Dan's song and uh, it's such a 15 song. I mean. Yeah. Like just the beginning. Like, you know, it's just uh, the band 15, for those of you out there who haven't listened yeah, this is better than anything they ever did, but uh, <laughs> you know you can imagine what they must sound like. It's 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 like this a lot, uh, but um, yeah, I mean that was that was all we were ever really trying to do at this point was just sound as much like fifteen as we could, and then you know, and the fact Dan wanted to sing the whole thing, but. Mm. I didn't play an instrument, so it was like I was going to have to sing the whole thing too, and so then. It was like, it was you like want I to play said, tambourine. When we did the, uh, well, like even when we did like the crooked seven inch and stuff like that, um, uh, I don't think we invented the idea of just doubling lyrics, like doubling parts without like doing harmony harmonies or anything. Mm-hmm. But people weren't really doing it. Besides, like in hip hop, right. You know, and and uh, this song is a real. I, I think if if there's a a takeaway from this particular song, it's it's that it's like this whole song is you know it's like very proto like oh Calcutta kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like where it's just like we sing everything together the whole time. It's wild. Yeah, it's not really. I mean, for nineteen ninety. Five ninety four that was not usual, you know. Right. And you even say it's unusual. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, you could. Yeah. yeah, it's easier than saying not usual <laughs> if you think about it, bro. Yeah. Um, his voice, man, is so good. Like he definitely, like you know moves away from that pretty quickly i mean he doesn't even really sound like that on like tuesday stuff um but his like scratch his growl is so, oh it's so good yeah it's cool i mean like it, it is again like i mean it's a real uh, homage to 15 really you know like um mm-hmm. and like i you know danny deserves all the credit that he's due man and and like he dan Andriano is more significant of a figure in the punk you know uh marvel universe than 15's entire discography uh so <laughs> i like i don't want to like in any way downplay that but like it's also like that's what he was doing he was yeah doing a Jeff Ott impersonation back then. And then he learned how to like do a Josh Caterer impersonation. And then he became Dan Andriano. Yeah. You know? Yeah. David and I had a really fun time on, as you were, uh, talking about the 
off my mind cover that alkaline trio did um it's just uh it's a dot that gets connected i think for the listener where it's like oh well i mean duh yeah of course he's singing like josh from the smoking popes like the you know yeah. The dude who grew up 20 minutes away from where he grew up. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just so funny because, like, there was just a few of these bands that were just, like, this much older than we were. And it's, like, not to, like, I mean, I loved Eighty Fingers and Louie. They're a band that was, like, I guess technically older than us, but they were doing what they were doing. And I felt like we were kind of contemporaries. I loved the Meshuganos. I thought they were the best of all these bands. Mm-hmm. But again, I understood what was going on. But like the Smoking Popes, Oblivion, and Apocalypse Hoboken were these three bands that were just like pillars. That like when they showed up, it was like, oh, I don't know. Like, how do they do this like mm-hmm. you know like it i mean i think i've said this story on this before but like oh yeah it was when we did the fireside patreon episode so uh everybody go to our patreon and you can hear the whole story but like oblivion was playing one time and the power went off and so mm-hmm. the drums kept going and the lights came like the lights were out and it was pitch black and when the lights came back on, Pete was just naked with his bass on. <laughs> like, he, he, like, he was that fast to be like, yo, I can get all these clothes off before this shit happens. Great. Great. I mean, doesn't change. It, it doesn't hurt that he was the kind of guy that wore, like, sweatpants and, like, quadruple XL t-shirts. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh... But yeah, I mean, and of all those bands, the Popes were the ones that were the most pro, you know, and like, they just, they seemed like a real band. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I thought Oblivion was like the coolest band I'd ever seen. I thought Apocalypse Hoboken was the most dangerous band I've ever seen. But the Smoking Popes just seemed like, we get this, like here? This yeah. is a real. This is a real band, you know. I mean, they're just so much more pro than everybody else, and it seemed dickish at the time, uh, a little bit. But that was part of their fucking swagger. Yeah, you, you know, they were the fucking popes, and you were not in the popes, and so it's like fucking. You know, that Dave Chappelle scene where he's like walking through the club and the girl comes up to him and he just like grabs her face. And <laughs> that it, was, it, yeah, that was the that was the Pope's man, and and like it it was exactly like that because like you saw it and you couldn't even be mad at it. You're like, yep, <laughs> it's funny. Like the um, I guess just like the way their story has kind of been absorbed, especially since they've gotten back together. Cause I think there's a lot more focus on, you know, Josh and religion 
And you go back to, like, you know, the pre-capital days, and I remember reading a, an, an interview with the Smoking Puffs um, where they were like, yeah, we wanted to be the first band to overdose on weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's great. Um, yeah, they're just, they're just cool. But, um, yeah, uh, that's where Danny would eventually settle into not singing like Jeff Ott and then would eventually, you know, develop his own voice was, was, I think in no small part thanks to Josh. Um, this is a fun track. I love the way that just like, you know, you kind of got two verses that are very just like well-structured to kind of circle back, you know, starting with, do you want to know what I learned at school today? And then, no, I didn't like school today. Do you want to know what I learned at work today? No, I didn't like work today. And then that, I don't believe in anything. I don't believe in anything at the end. is just fucking such a fun coda. Yeah, you know, what's so funny is that, like, at the time when Dan wrote this, I was like, eh, what the fuck is this? Like, and then I think that it was actually... Dan and I together, I I don't want to give myself any credit for this because I, I but I do feel like I, the, I don't believe in anything part was something that like we came up with together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was kind of stupid too. And now I'm like, wait, but I'm Nihilist Arby's. That's the best part of every song I've ever done. <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, and, and like, and, and this this song like holds up so much better than now than it did to like my stupid ass back then, where I was. I I always liked this song. I just thought that it was kind of simple, and I didn't realize that that's the best way. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we must have come up with the "Don't Believe in Anything" together. That I mean, because I remember at first being like, "This is, I don't believe that this was my suggestion. Uh, <laughs> I don't love it." But I mean, I'm sure Dan would argue that that's not the case. I, I don't, I don't, I really don't remember. That's just like, that's a gut feeling, not like a memory. Mm-hmm. Are you are you using the uh, headset in GarageBand? Mm-hmm. Would you mind just like it's scraping a little bit on your uh, sweatshirt? Yeah. You want me to take off the sweatshirt? You want me to get naked for you, buddy? Yeah, Bubba. Right. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. My well, big pendulous tits. Let me let me ask you though, because we got. Uh, I think that this is a good opportunity to talk about that. Once you get that mama tried tattoo. Um, the story of the Mama Tried Tattoo is actually pretty good. Um, 1243. Yeah, we have time to pour it. Hell yeah. Um, I decided I wanted this and, um, my friend Tom was a tattoo artist. He was, uh, uh, dating my friend Val and her younger sister, Robin, was a close friend of mine who, like, actually was 
used to go to slapstick shows and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I decided I wanted this tattoo. And I was probably 19, maybe. Yeah. Maybe 20. Um, and I went down and Tom was like, yo, the shop's closed on this day. Come down and, you know, I'll do it for you. And he had this dude named Kurt. No, Carl. Carl. Uh-huh. So it's important for the story. Believe me. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And Carl was like the dude that's like tattoos like all the way down to his fingers. Nobody really likes him. Hangs out at the tattoo shop. You think that he works there, but he doesn't. He's just taking out the garbage anyway. Um, <laughs> because he's like just trying to kiss ass to all the like the, uh, the artists, right? Like. I'm sure, like, in any tattoo shop, there's a guy like this. Any clubhouse scenario. Yes, yes. Just this, like, <laughs> hanger-on dildo. Mm-hmm. But he was, like, uh, I mean, probably at the time he was 30, something like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, but he was older than me, and he was, like, intimidating and scary or whatever and so i'm getting this laid down and i was like yeah i just wanted to say mama tried i wanted in like a typewriter font mm-hmm. you know, like a what i now know is courier right but at the time i didn't know that terminology and um <laughs> and he's stenciling it on me and Carl is standing there, and pardon my, oh my God. language here, mm-hmm. but I have to quote Carl because I just would like to paint a picture of what, who he was. He was like, you're kind of a young little faggot for such a kick-ass tattoo, huh? <laughs> I was like, yeah, Carl. I don't, I, you're like, I don't know, man. Uh, I just thought it would be cool. He's like, you don't deserve that fucking tattoo. That tattoo should be on me. You know? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, you know, it's a funny thing. I thought of it, and you came up with it when you saw it getting stenciled on to yeah. me. So, <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. And, uh, I got one there, too, so man. Just it sucks doing, so bad. Um, dropping these f-bombs at me the whole time you know like and, and this tattoo hurt so terribly mm-hmm. immensely b- bad to get it hurt so bad and so i'm like but then i'm still under this like watchful eye of this asshole that's like been motherfucking me you know and um and he's <laughs> he's like Alright, Tom, once you're done tattooing this little homo, you know what I want you to do? You're going to tattoo me right here under my belly button from hip to hip. It's going to say, time to eat. Mm-hmm. How about that? That would be great, right? Time to eat. I love that shit. And Tom's like, okay, Carl. 
you know, and he just keeps tattooing me, and I keep like trying not to cry because I'm in such, <laughs> such pain. And then he goes, "No, man, you know what? Fuck that, fuck that. Time to eat. That's stupid. How about this? Eat at Carl's. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's what I. As soon as you're done tattooing this little faggot, that's what I want you to do. <laughs> I am down here eat at Carl's. Okay. And I, <laughs> and we're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, eat at Carl's. Yes, I see. And he's like, no, you know what, man? Fuck that. <laughs> when you're done with this motherfucker, I don't want time to eat. I don't want to eat at Carl's. Just stupid. What I need is Carl is good food. <laughs> and I was like, that went from the worst idea I'd ever heard to vastly worse than that idea <laughs> somehow. <laughs> In like a direct descending order. And I, to this day, have no idea. I mean, I would bet my life savings that Carl's not alive anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, but on the off chance he is, I have no idea if it says Carl is good food under his belly button from hip to hip or not. Um, Fuck yeah. I really hope it does. <laughs> Me too. Carl, if you're out there, patreon.com slash better sandwich. <laughs> February 1, uh, I had a couple takeaways from this song. Uh, did, is this uh, is this your, are these your lyrics? Yeah, I wrote this entire one. I wrote the words and the music. Um, it, this, is, this is much like uh, what I learned being Danny's like little baby that he brought in. This was mm-hmm. one that I, I brought in, yeah. You, were, you wrote the music too? So you were yes. playing guitar? at this point yes yes yeah um it makes sense that was my my thought especially with the broadways like this is definitely a a broadways type song when the broadways started i believe my memory might be faulty but i have memories of being like man i wish i'd saved this song the broadway you don't you didn't consider just doing it anyway Mm-mm. no interesting no. we had i mean we had three songwriters we had enough stuff going on right right um, yeah. um i wanted to ask about because there are some really good like little hooks that happen in there and I don't want to take anything away from your capabilities, but my thought when I was hearing it was like, this is a Brendan song and there's probably like three or four things in here that can be credited to Rob Kellenberger (laughs) or Matt Stance is just being like, that's fucking exactly what was needed right there to give this a, a like much more memorable spot. Um, well, go on. <laughs> um, I don't know. Am I totally off base? Uh, I, I, I don't honestly know. I think that 
the one thing I remember that they did was the like the transition, the transitional thing between the first chorus and the second verse. Mm-hmm. I think that they arranged that together, and then. I don't remember. It seems right to say that those guys are the ones who made it go halftime in the second half of each phrase in the chorus. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember that being like a conversation. And I think that I was pretty particular about like having this be like exactly like I wrote it. So, um, I mean, which is not to say that that didn't happen. It just like what you're saying is that what you were thinking of? Yeah, yeah, that. And then I guess like there are horn parts in there too. That's sort of in the background, but yeah, but that would be that would be Hanway and Pete for sure. Um, who wrote the horn parts? Um, the horn parts work really well in this song for as much of a just punk song as it is. This is like. Uh, Okay, so I should get this out of the way at, at, at the, from, from the jump. The song is fucking embarrassing as hell. Um, I When I wrote it, I was so proud of it, and I thought it was mm-hmm. so great. And now it's just such like white man's burden garbage when I listen back to it. I'm just, mm-hmm. it's just like, ooh, thanks for telling me how mm-hmm. to feel. Yeah. Uh, you know, high school child, uh, you know, like, like there's, the intentions are good, but the execution is not. And, uh, and, um, I, and which is funny because I, there was a long, long, there was a period of time where I thought that this was the best song I'd ever written. You know, and and then it, it only took like just like a little bit of, and frankly, self awareness to like look back at it and be like, Jesus fucking Christ, yeah, like yeah. what cool song, dork. Uh, and, and I mean, it's also like not that great. Like it, it's, it, but what it does do is on a ska punk record. It fucking blazes, and it's got horns that fit seamlessly into that like mm-hmm. blazing punk rock. That it, it like, but in the in the transition and stuff like that. I mean, it's definitive on this record in terms of like cementing slapstick as like a different kind of band, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it and it is. The sound is interesting. For the time, it was it just hasn't aged well, you know, and it hasn't aged totally. well to me. I mean, at the time, the sentiment was um, punk as hell, you know. Yeah, like, like yeah, like acknowledging, just like even acknowledging the the, the feelings of uh, a. a street person or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. you know like be they homeless or not um mm-hmm. and like 
was something that just like wasn't really taking place except for like in like your really uh, Gilman Street bands basically because Berkeley's so like um, flush with homelessness and mm-hmm. uh, and you know people that just don't feel like working gosh darn it <laughs> you know um, and so it was like especially for a midwestern band especially for a ska band this song was I think a pretty big deal uh, but I don't like it now totally which is which is weird it's it's like it's like an ex an ex-girlfriend that you have that you were just like i don't believe i said i wanted to marry you you're fucking revolting (laughs) (laughs) that's how i kind of feel about this song i totally feel that and i think that this is of of all the things that we've discussed with slapstick this is probably number one on the list of you're 17 years old you're you're coming at something with the best intentions and i it made me think of the fact that like you know when i went to when i went to college i wanted to go so that i could like become a teacher and then go teach uh you know in the inner city and make a difference and like save a bunch of people and that's like that's that sucks. That's dirty, and, yeah, and like, it makes and it like, feel like, weird and bad. Flip your chair around and be like, you know what? Shakespeare is like hip hop, <laughs> but for back in the day, <laughs> you know that movie, Dangerous Minds, is like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. My favorite yeah. poet is Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I totally, I totally, I totally feel where you're coming from here. Um, but also that sentiment is exactly what I was thinking too of like, who was singing about this shit at this time? Did Real Big Fish have a song about a person that's living on the street? No, no. I mean, like that's, I mean, that was our like sort of unique niche right like mm-hmm. as much as like you know when i think of when i think of slapstick and i think of our two main um counterparts in that era it's less than jake and suicide machines mm-hmm. right and suicide machines have never been like a lyrical band like uh and i, I mean i mean that with no disrespect but i mean like my heart is pumping blood into my head. <laughs> and I feel just like a thousand pounds of lead. You know, like, and, and it's like, it's like that, that's not the point of what they're doing. Right. You know, and Lesson Jake, they're just walking the tracks and they walk the tracks. <laughs> they walk the tracks. <laughs> you know, it's called uh, Pezcore. Like, it, just like, uh, like they're um, I think their lyrics are good and introspective and 
weird thing about Lesson Jake, I don't know if you know this, Vinny, the drummer, writes all the lyrics. Really? 100%. Yeah. Huh. And then he has, like, Roger and Chris put them together. So, and I mean, like, if I got a sheet of lyrics that said, Johnny Quest thinks we're sellouts, I'd be like, uh, this isn't lyrics, you know? <laughs> so it's really testament to, I guess, all three of them, that they could put that together and make it into such a catchy, great thing. But yeah. at the same time, like, Slapstick was a politically conscious band. And that's um, part of the... <laughs> oh, my God. I'm about to say this out loud. Um, rich tradition of ska. Yep. And something that was, like, missing from the third wave ska punk scene as it emerged. And, and like, even though, like, we were there from the very jump, um, that was, like we did the heavy lifting of that for the most part, mm -hmm. like, you know, racial justice, um, sexual justice, identity justice, like all of that kind of stuff was stuff that we were like, we're championing from the beginning. And, uh, yeah, sometimes it's clumsy like this song, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, totally. but, but like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like there was someone else to like pass the ball to and be like, oops, okay, we fucked it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, instead it was like, people were like, damn, you wrote this song about that? That's crazy. You know? Mm -hmm. um, and so. Yeah, I think that um, it, it's been cool in the last couple of years to see, um, you know, people like Jeremy from Scott to Network and you know Mike Park has always been such a champion of Ska's political intentions and I think that you know there's been a lot of like really solid voices in the past couple of years that have been really turning the narrative on Ska towards pointing out all that political consciousness and this is yeah, I, this is an example of that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at MU three thirty or not, well, I mean, MU three thirty is also a great example of um, like this like multiracial wild organization. But like Skank and Pickle, <laughs> that band. Uh, I mean, they had you know just like out and proud lesbians, gigantic Asian men, huge dudes, dwarves. I mean, it was, it was like one of the wildest organizations you've ever seen, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And, and, uh, I mean, at the head of the whole thing, Mike Park, weirdest guy alive. <laughs> um, sick of this place. Who wrote this one? This is Dan Hanaway. I knew it. Uh, this is... You can kind of tell because of how good the horn parts are. Mm. You know? It's mm -hmm. like, when you're the trumpet player in a band, you don't write a song that doesn't feature you doing the thing you do in it. <laughs> 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 you know? 
Uh, and this song has got some fucking good ass horn parts. Um, this is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this one's. That's it, right? Yeah. Well, I know you could call me loser. Yeah. loser. Yeah. Dan used to do another harmony in this one, too. I lost so much faith already. That would make Hanaway and me look at each other on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was actually the main one. Um, how dare he? Yeah, how, how dare he do... <laughs> I don't, like, the amazing job by a consummate professional that he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, three words that I hate saying, I don't care. That's something that you have sort of picked up as a, as a mantra as well. Well, I already didn't like the idea of saying, I don't care in songs. And then when Dan brought this song in, honestly, at first I was like, I don't believe I have to sing this. Uh Uh-huh. Because I hate, I feel like singing, I don't care. It's not exemplary of what you're doing. Because you don't sing, I don't care, if you care. Mm-hmm. If you're singing it, you you care. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm saying this the right way. I think that... The it, more you say, I don't care, the more it's obvious that you care. Yeah. And, and so, like... And I didn't think in this particular example that there's like enough irony marbled into the the song itself that like I felt comfortable saying I don't care this many times. Mm-hmm. Like I know that like in like Pentacle Wings Gold, I say I don't know, I don't care. I just sit and stare now, but that's in like a dismissive way to talk about something else um i i don't I, I don't think i can parse the what the difference is to me mentally besides chanting i don't care which is what i think this song is mm-hmm. and this is like one of the only things that i think dan like lyrically i don't like interesting it, it, it did not I, I didn't like it and i i still don't love it so even even though it says three words that I hate saying, I don't care. That's you like, you don't feel that, like there's enough was, to it. That was like the that was the thing that made me go, "All right, I can talk myself into this." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but but no, man. Uh, it's just like. Right. This is you. That, that that comes from you hating grunge, right? Or just not identifying with it. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's probably that's probably an accurate um, thing to say. Because there's that replacements balance of we don't care, but 
you know if you know that we care about this more than anything. It's a very we, fine line with understanding well, that band. The thing is, with the replacements, they don't say we don't care. They act like they don't care. Mm-hmm. And then they're awesome anyway. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the sweet spot. But like, you know, like I've always said, like when when my kids were little, I have a son and a daughter, right? And uh, when they were really small and I was with them every minute of every day, and I'd talk to my daughter and I'd be like, you're crazy. <laughs> and she'd be like, well, my son would be like, I'm crazy. I'd be like, you're not crazy. And she'd be like, I'm not crazy too. And I'd be like, uh-oh, you're crazy as shit. <laughs> you know, like, like, we, like it, it's, it's that. It's like saying I don't care means you care. Mm-hmm. You know, and that has to be in the broadcast. Yeah. That you understand that, you know, mm-hmm. like depressive ghoul in a basement apartment beating off, wanting to like know if any of his friends are around being like, I don't know. I don't care. I just sit and stare now. What that really means is like, this is a cry for help, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. but I could be the president, but I don't care. I don't care. I'm sick of this place. I don't care. I don't care. I've lost so much faith already. I don't care. I don't care. You know, like, it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's too much for me. Like, and and again, you, you know, and I think our listeners know, I hold Dan Hanaway's songwriting in extremely, extremely high regard. And, uh, this is just one of the few times where it like doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And, it just happens that I had to sing it, which, and I, you know, had to talk myself into it a little bit. Do you, do you express that to Dan? No, no, no. I'm actually not looking forward to if he ever hears this, uh, and having to talk to him. He's, he's still scary to me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he listens to this, but if you do, Dan, hi, come on better yet. Um, and our Patreon, but better yet first. The reason that I knew that this was Dan's song, though, and, you know, funny following up, what, why didn't you use uh, February 1 in the Broadways? Is, I'm just frustrated, maybe. It's like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna take that. We're gonna use that one. It's just yeah. such a call in 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, dude, you know, he's, um, there's so much in this song that's so great. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Yeah. You know, like, I don't want to sound like I'm, like, shitting on the whole song. It's just, like, sort of the repetitive hook is not for me, necessarily. Yeah. Um. Well, I think but, that 15 minutes does, sorry to interrupt you, but I think 15 minutes does what this the song is trying to accomplish as well is like getting to that point of, well, maybe it's that I'm frustrated. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And uh, I think that, um, you know, that's what Dan's best at is take like some sort of macro thing and then bringing it all the way down to like a granular human human level Mm -hmm. i mean that's what the honor system is fucking all about have we talked about single file on this we did didn't we we did on patreon patreon.com slash better sandwich well that's slapstick my dude that's it that's that's it Huh. Okay. Um really fun time talking about these songs, revisiting your past. Um and now that we're out of songs, what we're gonna do is keep kind of a a list of things to talk about. We're gonna do some more of the uh episodes where we talk about other albums. But we've also got a cool list of topics going. And the first one that we're going to hit next week is something that you've talked about, Brendan. And that's Uh-oh. the tour that you did with Danny Andriano oh. in Europe. Yeah, man. Cool. Um, I hope you can pull up the dates because it's there's... There's so much great stuff to talk about. It's If I died today, that's my favorite tour I've ever been on. If I die, you know, whatever, when everybody expects me to in like a year, um, I'll have to have been on a pretty good fucking tour <laughs> between now and then in order to top that one. It's one of my favorite experiences I've ever done, um, just of anything. Definitely my favorite touring experience I've ever done. So, yeah, I mean, we played in a fucking public bathroom. Uh, <coughs> Hell yeah. We, Yeah, it's it's great. I, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to cannibalize the bit, man, but, yeah, that's really fun. We, we should get Dan on it. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Um, I, I, I know a guy who knows Dan. Um... <laughs> His name is Dan Hanaway. I can reach out to him if you're afraid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm definitely afraid, for sure. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. If you want to go over there and help support us in what we do, cost seven bucks a month. There's a lot of fun stuff over there. Rate and subscribe to the pod. Tell a friend about the show let them know what we're doing over here check out brendan's other podcasts they come to america you can listen to me on better yet doing interviews and as you were a podcast about alkaline trio david and anthony and i talk about one alkaline trio song each week and we will be back here next week we look forward to it we will see you then thank you friends later everybody